This is the Saturate Podcast. Saturate is committed to seeing a gospel movement happen in North America and beyond, in which every man, woman, and child have a daily encounter with Jesus in word and deed. This podcast is an ongoing conversation with disciples and leaders growing in the gospel and growing in living the implications of the gospel in community and on mission. Welcome to the Saturate Podcast. My name is Brad Watson, and today we have Cole Brown joining us. Uh, Cole Brown uh, was a pastor in Portland when I was a pastor in Portland. He's, yeah, an author, uh, a very good tweeter, uh, a shepherd, a trainer, uh, all of these wonderful things. And uh, we're going to talk about the Karate Kid today. So, Cole, thanks for for joining the podcast. Thanks for inviting me, Brad. I am so excited to talk about one of the greatest movies of all time with you. It really is. It's way up there. It might be better than Rocky. Who knows? Uh, that's for smarter people to decide, but it's very good. And uh, yeah, and I think there's a lot to learn about what it means to be a disciple and the the life of a disciple, all of those things. Uh, but before we jump into that, Cole, maybe you could share just a little bit about uh, your story, uh, where you are in life right now, what God is doing with you and your family. Absolutely. Born and raised in Portland, Oregon, in an atheist home. Got involved in the music industry at 19. That meant moving across the country and a few years later heard about Jesus for the first time ever. Had never heard about him living in Portland apart from knowing he had something to do with uh, Christmas and whatever they told me on South Park. That was about it. And <laughs> was being converted and saved by, by Jesus. My life took various different forms. Uh, in 2005, my wife and I planted a church here in Portland uh, with a desire to see a, a multi-ethnic community form in Portland, which is one of the whitest major city is the whitest major city in America. God was mm-hmm. gracious to bring that to fruition. Uh, as the years went on in that church, uh, where I thought I would be forever, uh, as we worked with uh, the diverse people in our neighborhood, we started to feel a burden for Mexico in particular and Latin America at large as as that happened, we, as a family, found ourselves leaving the church that we planted that we loved so dearly and moving to Mexico City uh, to help plant churches there, to learn the language, to learn the culture, and to train other church planners and pastors. Spent uh, some year, two year, a little over two years there with thanks to the prayers and generosity of many people, including uh, our host this, this afternoon. <laughs> uh, thank you to you and your bride. And we thought we would be there forever, but our children ran into some pretty intense emotional issues that required us for their health to come back to Portland. So we're back in Portland since August. That's been really hard for my wife and I, uh, but really good for our kids. And then we're really thankful that in spite of having to physically be back in Portland, God has allowed us to continue working Mm. uh, daily in Mexico and beyond uh, with the relationships that have already been formed there. That's awesome. And you like have learned Spanish and speak it fluently. Yes. Is that true? By God's grace. Yes. That's amazing. I've, I think about that all the time because, and even a few days ago, I was talking to a, a pastor from Mexico and all I can speak is what I call Portignol, which is like Portuguese, <laughs> but with a Spanish accent. And then I thought, you know what? My friend Cole once like just dedicated himself to learning Spanish because 
it's the second most important language in America or even maybe in the world could be waged. And so I was like, you know what? Like I live in Los Angeles. I need to put in that work and like really learn Spanish. I know it can be done. I think you should for exactly the reasons you said. And because I think you and your wife both have a, a pretty strong advantage with the Portuguese foundation. Yeah. I just have to learn not to say the wrong thing. Yeah. I, in Portuguese, we do lots of shushes and so I'll have to stop that. But, oh, no, I've been studying Portuguese for about two months now and I'm having those issues. Yeah. <laughs> it's a weird language. Um, yeah, that's awesome, Cole. Yeah, it's been exciting to participate in a small part in uh, your guys' ministry. And so as we think about uh, the Karate Kid now, mm. so I, I tweeted out, like, anyone want to come and talk to me about the Karate Kid? And you were like, all over it. <laughs> you were just like, I'm in. I want to do it. So what is it about the Karate Kid for you that connects to, yeah, like what it means to be a disciple? Can I answer that question by answering a different question first? Yeah. So first, it just connects with me emotionally because was it 85 when that came out? I think so. I would have been seven or eight years old and my dad was not in the home due to uh, an early divorce. And I was the hugest nerd in all of the world. And so I identified with Daniel uh, not having his dad around, being embarrassed by his mother, and having no idea how to connect relationally in his environment. Mm -hmm. And so that was my life. And I longed for direction and guidance, which Daniel found in you know the, a very unlikely place. Mm -hmm. And I, I longed to have the confidence that he eventually was able to have, thanks to the investment of Mr. Miyagi, uh, and to be able to take risks and develop relationships and confront my fears, which he also did with under the guidance of Mr. Miyagi. And so for me, even before knowing Jesus, knowing what discipleship was, I just wanted hmm. what was pictured in that movie. And now knowing Jesus, I see the discipleship aspects as well that you tweeted about. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I'm glad you shared that, that story piece because that was even, I just stumbled across it on Amazon Prime a few weeks ago and thought, yeah, yeah, like I should totally watch this movie again. It's one of the best. And as I watched it, having yeah just moved to Los Angeles a year ago, it like moves into this apartment uh, where the pool is kind of gross <laughs> and then nothing works in the apartment. The land pe lady people are like kind of a pain. And I thought, man, that's like, I just connected with it. Even the sights and the sounds and mm. the beach where he gets uh, beat up for the first time is uh, a beach that my family goes to all the time. And so there's just like, ah, I just kind of like see this, like, and I can just imagine this happening and getting played out in my own life right now. Like this is, this is amazing. Um, yeah. Even the, uh, the financial distance too, like the apartment people. And then there's the people that live in the really nice houses in LA. And uh, that's definitely, that's kind of where we fall as well. It's like, well, we're the apartment people. And then our kids have neighbors. We go to their birthday parties and they drop like 200 bucks a head on the, these like six year olds. Wow. And uh, we're like, Oh, this is uh, yeah. We've, we've like kind of transitioned into the other world. And so that's what makes it a great movie. I think is the, the connection there. Agreed. Yeah, and I think normally people, when they think about the Karate Kid and discipleship, they go straight to the, like, wax on, wax off. You know, like, 
we learn how to be disciples that way, like to disciple another person, you teach them something trivial, and then then they'll learn how to do it in real life kind of thing, mm-hmm. which, yeah, I can definitely relate to. But what struck me about it this last time I watched is kind of like what you were just sharing is the fatherhood piece yeah. and the the depths to which they do that. Even the, the scene where Mr. Miyagi is throwing Daniel a birthday party and celebrating him and giving him, you know, the cool, I don't even know what it's called, the cool karate costume. <laughs> yeah. And then he goes out and he gives him, like, lets him choose any car. And there's, like, all of these beautiful classic cars that Daniel's, you know, recently waxed. And he's like, choose a car and you can take it. And that, to me, it just, at least it strikes just, maybe what we do is when we disciple people is show them the father mm. more than anything else. Let them know that they're sons of the most high God who's generous and gracious. Yeah. What do you think? I, I love that. I haven't watched it in about six months. I try to watch it several times a year. Pardon me. <laughs> nice. I, I was actually kind of embarrassed for you when you said that you watched it on Amazon Prime. Uh, when I own it on DVD, I own it uh, digitally through iTunes and then also I own the Jaden Smith version, which is absolutely horrible, but just because it's called the Karate Kid. There's a whole generation of people that thinks that that's the real Karate Kid and love it. Yeah, I don't normally agree with all the criticisms of millennials, but there should be an article written about millennials and Jaden Smith. (laughs) That's true. Oh, man, what would have happened if that's if you came on this podcast and that's the version that I was talking about? That would have been great. Uh, You'd have disowned me instantly. I don't want to answer that question. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I agree with you. That I love how you described it. That the discipleship, the core of discipleship, is is showing the father, and Mr. Miyagi does that through so many ways. You mentioned his generosity, his awareness of Daniel's needs. Right? He no, he knows that that's a hole in Daniel's life. And he fills it with his love, with his generosity, with his presence. Um, he's such an unlikely person to fill that role as well. I think mm-hmm. sometimes we feel that to be the discipler or to be the disciplee, that the other party has to be hip and cool or that we have mm-hmm. to be hip and cool and that we have to have so much in common with this person. Miyagi and Daniel have absolutely nothing in common. And yet, Miyagi is used to transform Daniel's life by, as you said, showing him the father, investing time, being generous, being aware of his needs long long before he gets to the very practical stuff of teaching actual karate skills. Yeah. And I think there's even the, the reality of, I think often like we allow cultural barriers to mean that we can't disciple one another as well. Yes. Yeah. Here's this young child, like kid, high school kid, this older man, but is who's also like a Japanese American. And then Daniel is from like the East coast, like gritty place. Yep. And they only barely sort of share geographic space too. You know, it's like Mr. Miyagi is like the handyman at this apartment yeah. complex. <laughs> yeah. That's the only overlap that ever, you know, existed, which I think is just even powerful when we 
look into our own cities and our own environments, normally we, we think, oh, well, we should disciple people that look just like us, or we can't disciple them because uh, they're too rich or they're too poor or they're, they're too different. They're Asian American, so I could never disciple them. But the, the generosity and also the, the need and the tangible help kind of uh, transforms that. Yes, absolutely. Mr. Miyagi needs to defend Daniel and beat up some skeleton kids. <laughs> so that's, that's the important piece. Yeah. As I'm thinking through discipleship, I'm thinking of the people who've had the greatest impact on me who almost never have been like me, much like, hmm. not like Daniel, uh, and yeah. never have been someone I would have voluntarily chose to, to follow, so to speak, or, uh, or seek in the, in that way. Uh, but there was something about them that I admired mm-hmm. something about them that they had that I didn't have. And I knew I wanted to have. And so Daniel gets to see that when he sees Miyagi stand up for him and beat up the guys dressed in skeleton costumes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I want to be the type of man that people of any generation or any cultural or economics uh, background could see something of Christ and the father in me and say, I, I want that. Mm-hmm. Help me with that. Yeah. For me, when I was 13 years old, I was in this pretty like anger phase, but I wanted to play music because I thought if I played music, that would impress people, like mostly girls, you know, mostly, and there was, mostly girls. <laughs> uh, and then maybe some of my friends, but there was this guy who was part of our church, small church called Grace in the center of Lisbon, where I grew up. And this guy began to pick me up from school twice a week and drive me around the city while he ran his errands. But at the end of it, he would give me a bass guitar lesson and let me uh, eat dinner with his family and we would talk and then he would take me home. And those Tuesdays and Thursdays when that would happen became like the highlight of my week or even like that whole like teenage years. And the guy like ran a paper company and most of the time my bass guitar lessons were really like watching him do business and talk to people uh, but it was so deeply impactful uh, and even like watching his hard work and then watching him pray and then watching him lead worship in our church was, I don't know, for me at least, it was super transformative more than, you know, like you were saying, like more than any other sort of relationships. And yeah, he's like a 50 year old man. Mm. Yeah. I love that. I might steal that strategy. That's a great, great strategy. It is. <laughs> it's a good strategy. And I think that's what's, I think, yeah, maybe you can compare Cobra Kai to Mr. Miyagi discipleship forms. Uh, have you ever done that? No, but let's do so, it. <laughs> so like the Cobra Kai dojo, they're all blonde, it seems like. <laughs> <laughs> Even the sensei. And they're like, take no prisoners. They have a building. They're like lined up in rows. They have all this like financial trappings. Mm-hmm. They got great branding. They've got great branding. Yeah. And yet I think it gets revealed at the end that it's all about the sensei's ego. Yeah. You know, it's all about him building his reputation. It has nothing to do with the kids. Like he doesn't care about them. Uh, makes one of them break the rules, shames the other one. Uh, yeah. But it's, I think a lot of times, though, if you're walking around, you would say, well, that's a successful dojo. Yes. They really do karate well. 
think you're 100% right. And, and if I'm honest, I see a version of myself in that. I remember soon after planting, a few years after planting the first church that we planted, uh, I remember sitting down for discipleship meetings, counseling appointments, various things that involved members of the church. I remember feeling hatred in my heart for the people who were sitting across the table from me. Hmm. And I, as, that terrified me because I at least knew enough to know that that wasn't why I planted a church, was to hate the people that God called me to lay down my life for. And as mm-hmm. I began to examine that, I, it, it all had to do with me wanting to know that I was a good sensei. Right? And if you're, if you're not mm-hmm. doing the things that I keep telling you to do, if you're not living the life you ought to live, making the decisions you ought to make based on my incredible preaching and my wise counsel and my hours of investment in discipling you, that reflects negatively mm-hmm. on me and means that I've been wasting my time and my life. That, that's what my dark heart was telling me at the time. Uh, so I, I totally get why Creasy is upset at the end. And at the, at the beginning of, uh, of Karate Kid 2, they show him in the parking lot, uh, breaking Johnny's trophy and, and yelling at him because, you know, we're not going to be satisfied with second place and you failed. And right. I felt that way with, with my church at times because it didn't measure up to what I thought it should be. And that mm-hmm. therefore reflected negatively on me. And I found my identity in, in that. Right. And I think that even translates a lot to people. Uh, we do that with our kids. We do that with our community groups or missional communities. Pastors do that. It ends up caving in on ourselves. Yeah. And I've definitely been there so many times as well. Where it's just like, man, I wish these people would just get the gospel. If they don't get the gospel soon, then I'm like bailing on them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds perfect. How do you not yeah. know the gospel yet? Do you know how skilled I am at explaining the gospel? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like, and if you don't get the gospel, then I have no worth. Exactly. Yeah. The irony there is real thick. Yeah. yeah. Right. The amazing factor, too, is, you know, like Daniel is not the, like the epitome of at least it seems like the good the guy who could win you know the karate competition like he's not uh physically up to the stuff he doesn't have like the finances or the resources Mm. he can't really even get into the cobra kai yet i don't know and i think we do that a lot too with Mm. whenever we're become the ego driven you know, how you perform in this thing of discipleship reflects on me. And that's what it's all about. Mm. We fail to like love the people that we're discipling. We also like fail to successfully like show them Jesus because we're just showing them ourselves. Um, but in the end too, like we miss out on all these other people, you know, like the most redemptive, as I watched it this last time, I thought, man, the most redemptive version of this story would have been like, Oh, Mr. Miyagi, Daniel, like, let's, let's like, we should all be in one, you know, like dojo together. Like, let's learn karate together and let's like stop beating each other up. Like that would have been like the redemptive version, right? Right. Not like we're going to squash you like a bug or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. One thing I've learned that what you just shared brings it to mind. One thing I learned uh, at the various churches that I've helped plant is that oftentimes when I leave those churches, I'm amazed because the men who become mature elders who are laying down their lives for Jesus's bride, 
are people that when they walked in the door, I would have never thought that they could fill that role. And hmm. the men who walk in the door looking so promising uh, and perfect, like like Johnny, often prove themselves not to have the spiritual maturity um, that 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 position requires. And so I've I've been learning, and I hope I hope that I've learned the lesson by now. But I've been learning that uh, those who seem least promising and seem to have the least offer, like Daniel, oftentimes mm-hmm. that most quickly grow to maturity and mm-hmm. make make a difference. Yeah, and just the the power of looking to Daniel, giving him so much time and focus and presence as well. Like just going back to Mr. Miyagi and how amazing that was that he would slow down his life, allow his life to be interrupted mm-hmm. and included Daniel in it. And uh, even as they walk into the competition, you know, this epic climax, he's like, well, I don't really know what's going on around here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's like, and then he lies. He's like, yeah, he's a black belt. And then he still is a black belt. <laughs> and then, yeah, he's like, I don't know how the rules work. I don't know how the competition works. But somehow he's like prepared him for it, yeah. which I think is also a lot of what I do. My default discipleship mode is to like try to think through every scenario someone could go through mm. and then try to like give them the insight, like do all of these things, mm-hmm. like do these. If this happens, do that. Even, you know, our church is about to send out a church plant here in the city. And I keep trying to like make sure they make zero mistakes. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, yeah. Like tell them like, oh, like these are all the things you have to think through. But I love that Mr. Miyagi's like, no, I'm just going to spend a lot of time with them. I'm going to like teach them karate and then I'm going to like let them go out there and we're going to, we're going to, you know, not embarrass ourselves. And it's amazing. <laughs> and of course, what, what we discover at the end of the movie is that all those, mundane things that seemed so pointless and made no sense to to Daniel as he's quote unquote being discipled are the very things that he depends on in the moment when mm-hmm. he needs something to depend on. And I, I'm not saying that our listeners are, are this way. I'm saying I'm this way. So often I, I think that I need to have something far greater than the mundane to offer the people that I invest my time in hmm. and prepare the perfect counsel or the perfect presentation or go through the perfect uh, discipleship material or whatever it is, instead of just allowing, as you shared your story, one of the most impactful stories in your life of just getting to watch this guy go through the mundane life of mm-hmm. making phone calls, pray, all of this. And yet that's the thing that's been most impactful for you. I, I want to continue to grow in just spending time with people and trusting that that's going to be what actually makes the difference when the time comes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's me too. I try to think of, yeah, a flashy new tool or some deep, crazy insight or (laughs) a sermon outline no one's ever seen before. You know, (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to start with the middle of the passage and then go all over and (laughs) I don't know, try to, yeah, come up with some new scheme. But yeah, what really impacts people is or at least what shapes people's disciples and prepares them for like a life of mission, a life of living in the church as family are really mundane things that might seem old school or out of fashion. Like this is a Bible and this is how you read it. This is, you know, what's hard about it, but this is how you can press on in the Bible. Like come pray with me. 
not a sermon on prayer, but just pray with me. Yeah, which are really the fundamental basics. But I at least I get sidetracked by the latest things. Yeah. And if we if we wrote a discipleship book that said that spend time with people, read the Bible with people, pray with people and you'll produce disciples. Nobody would want to read that book. No, no <laughs> nobody would believe. Nobody would really buy that. That's enough. But that's really enough. Yeah. Absolutely. There, was, there was no there was no Christian press, uh, uh, no Christian publishing houses, no Christian YouTube channels, none of that in the first few centuries of the Christian church. And they did just fine. Yeah. Oh, man. No conferences. No conferences. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. And I think when there finally was a conference, they wrote the Nicene Creed. So that, <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> a rather productive conference. Yeah. Yeah. It was super productive. They didn't just walk away with t-shirts and swag. <laughs> yeah. We long for that new information or that new insight, some new voice, um, some new strategy. When in the end, it all boils down to that. I I can remember we uh, every missional community we'd ever been part of in Portland, when we left, all those people... Uh, which, yeah, it was a lot of the church of Bren Wine, but got together and threw this big party for us. Uh, it was really fun. Like this one guy who just loves pun, he like brought a blue cheese bar because everyone's feeling blue and it stinks. That was his joke. Uh, it was really great. Uh, but at the end, like the people that had organized it were like, yeah, so let's go around and like share like what was really impactful about Brad and Morella and how they like what they, you know, discipled us, what they showed us. No one talked about my sermons. No one could remember like curriculum that we had walked through in community, but they all just sort of spoke to like, you welcomed us into our home. You spent this life with us. There was this moment when it, like there was a really big tragedy and you were there or I was in a really hard spot and you welcomed me in and you like pursued like lunch with me that one time. Like that was the stuff that people remembered and that was actually impactful for them, not the countless training hours or anything like that. To me, it was humbling that I even had that kind of impact on people's lives. Uh, and it was so much bigger than, yeah, there was this one line from your sermon. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Which is the thing you're most proud of, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think you spent hours crafting. Yeah, I worry that we, well, in all the places that I've had to say goodbye to, our experience has been exactly the same, exactly mm -hmm. the same. And the wonderful thing is that anybody can do that. Yeah. You don't need to be the greatest preacher in the world to spend time with people, show up for people, read the Bible with people, pray with people. You don't, mm -hmm. you don't need to have read every theological work or even know the, all the answers to all their questions. You just do that. Mm-hmm. I feel I'm going to stop making assumptions about other people. I feel <laughs> sometimes, sometimes the pressure that I feel is that I don't want to bore the person I'm discipling. I want to impress the person I'm discipling. I want them to, to feel like I'm, I'm a master and I have something. To offer. Mm -hmm. And maybe I should be content with, with letting them be as bored as Daniel was having to paint the fence all day and all night and be content with letting them be as bored as he was having to watch all those cars recognize <laughs> that's actually what's going to produce the fruit in the long run. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think that's even if there's a challenge for 
because I think a lot of times we think of ourselves as Mr. Miyagi, but like when we're the Daniel mm. uh, and a lot of us are the Daniel, are we content to do things that feel awkward? Like I love how they do the movie. Like I've never seen a more awkward painting of a fence in my life. <laughs> you know, like there's <laughs> this like city kid doesn't know how to do it. But like, are we content to do that awkward mundane work when like Jesus is calling us to discipleship? You know, right. Um, which I think is even what some of the first disciples were kind of annoyed with. Like, when are we going to talk military strategy? When are we going to talk like seating arrangements in the kingdom? Yes. We're just like walking around giving people loaves and fishes and stuff. Like, but are we like willing to be the Daniels that are like, oh, we're just going to do, we're going to, it's going to be awkward at first, but we're going to learn these practices that will actually give life like reading the Bible and praying and engaging in relationships and eating food with other people. And yeah, just fundamentals. Well, I'm, I'm still in that. My prayer for the next two weeks is going to be God, make me like Daniel. Mm. Me too. <laughs> that sounds good, right? Yeah. I want to be content with those, those disciplines that are exhausting hmm. and uninteresting to me at times, yeah. but which I know are, are the very means by which God sanctifies me and grows me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Any any other closing thoughts, Cole? A couple of things. Yeah. There is a possibility that people listening to us have not seen The Product Kid. This is true. If this is you, your very <laughs> first act of Christian obedience after listening to this podcast is to go. Look, Brad's already told you it's available for free on Amazon Prime. It, if you want to do that, do that. I'd recommend you just pay the $9.99 on iTunes and, and buy it, but you need to watch it. Yes. It's it's gold. Yep. Gold. <laughs> yes. Uh I think that's that's my main that's the main thing I can contribute today. <laughs> it is an important act of discipleship. Also, it came out in 1984. So you weren't even born yet. I was not even born yet. Wow. But if you look at the list of movies that came out in 1984, it's pretty amazing. It's the same year as The Terminator, Ghostbusters, it does have the scar of Indiana Jones, the Temple of Doom, but it also has Beverly Hills Cop, The Last Starfighter, Once a Time in America, Purple Rain came out then. I mean, it's an amazing Red Dawn. It was a good year, 1984. Oh, what a year. How do you know all these movies and you weren't alive? I'm just looking at uh, Google right now. But uh, I remember searching through that while I was watching uh, The Karate Kid. Because I was like, when did this movie come out? And then I saw a list of movies from 1984. And I was like, holy cow. This is Spinal Tap came out that year. Mm. It's a good year for uh, discipleship movies. What? <laughs> I, I agree. And I think that sometimes when people listen to stuff like this, they, they think that we're being cheeky and ironic and that, that we're just saying we like this movie because it's something we liked when we were kids. Uh, no, it's it's a good movie. Uh Pat Morita, who plays Mr. Miyagi, won the Academy Award for Best Actor. Yeah. He deserved it. And the screenplay is, in screenplay circles, is to this day considered to be, uh, I'm thinking in Spanish, ejemplar. Uh, like, a, uh, uh, what is the word? The gold standard. Yeah, there we go. One of the, go- uh, amongst the gold standards of, of, a, of a quality screenplay. Uh, and then, have you, Brad, have you watched Cobra Kai yet? I have not. I haven't ponied up the like the fee for because it's on YouTube Plus, right? Yes. Or Red. 
Is it worth it? Well, I wouldn't pony up the fee. They give you a free one month uh, subscription uh, to, to try it. And uh, that's what I did. I watched the episodes and I immediately canceled it before it renewed. Nice. But it's great. It's great. It's, the fir- it's the f- one of the first times that as an adult, I have seen my childhood uh, improved upon instead of destroyed by, by Hollywood. Wow. And it's the same actors, right? All the same actors. Wow. Yeah, I should do that. That'll be my d- obedience to discipleship for the next couple of weeks. So does that make me Mr. Miyagi? Because you haven't given me anything to do. I haven't given you anything. I don't know. Wow, what's a task that you could do? You should try coffee sometime, Cole. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> you were like in Mexico and everything. Did you drink coffee? As, do you drink coffee in Mexico as like a good, like a good international missionary? Yeah, I'm going to go against everything that you've probably been telling all your listeners. <laughs> I understand the principle of needing to adapt to the culture, and and I did that and continue to do that in every way possible. But the one area that I just can't do it is I cannot drink coffee. So, yeah, I don't drink coffee or alcohol. So nobody in Portland wants to hang out with me and nobody in Mexico wants to hang out. with me. <laughs> this is true. That's true. It's uh, but I would say you're probably going to live longer and you're not addicted to drugs. So those are good <laughs> things. Those are good things. Thank you, Brad. That's encouraging. Yeah. Well, Cole, thanks so much for joining us on this episode. Uh, It's been a really fun episode, but honestly, one of the more meaningful uh, and deep ones. I almost cried a couple points. So, yeah, thanks so much, Cole, for for joining us. Thank you, Brad. It's been a joy to be with you. Yeah, and for all of you listeners out there, we hope that uh, it's been really helpful. And like Cole said, if you're one of the people that hasn't seen this movie, you should go watch The Karate Kid. Uh, the 1984 version Uh, and then you could get swept up Karate Kid 2 is pretty dang good as well and as always if you have questions or comments or stories uh, you can connect with us and email us at hello at saturatetheworld.com thanks for listening and we'll chat again soon today's podcast was edited by Ben Fort and our theme music is written and performed by the band Mopac Saturate's hope is to see one missional community for every 1,000 people in every city as we see the glory of God fill every person, every place, and every church. We participate in this vision by curating resources, training, coaching, consulting, and many more ways. Find out more at saturatetheworld.com.